0: Like my Facebook page at Brian McClanahan and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast at Brian McClanahan. You can find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B R I O N. McClanahan.com. While you're there, give me an email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to McClanahan Academy.com. It's always free to enroll. And when you do enroll, you get a free class. And I'm pleased to announce that if you enroll now, of course, speaking of McClanahan Academy, I've got a new course out today to the general public. Southern Cultural and Intellectual History, part one. This is a four part series. Part one is out now. And if you're on my email list, you'll get a discount code to it. So you're going to want to be on the email list. If I give me that email address, you're on that list. You can get that new course, though. it's an awesome course, and there's going to be four parts on this. Hopefully, it'll change the way people think about the South. And eventually, I'll do a podcast episode just on that. But um, if you want to uh, support the show, you can buy one of the courses I have available for purchase there. There are uh, 12 now, 12 or 13, 13 actually, 13 courses available for purchase at McClanahan Academy. You can also support the show by going to brianmcclanahan.com forward slash support. You can throw a few pennies my way, help keep these lights on, help keep the podcasts going. You can buy your Brian McClanahan book plates there. If you want my autograph on one of my books, one of my seven books, just go out and buy a book plate. I'll sign it and send it to you. I've got a new book out, Southern Scribblings. It's been reviewed at Abbeville Institute today by the great Ron Kennedy. So you're going to want to pick that up too. 60 Essays in Defense of the Southern Tradition, the South, her people, her history. It's a great book, right? So uh, you're going to want to pick that up. And you can also support the show by going to LearnTrue, T-R-U-E, True LearnTrueHistory.com. That's my affiliate link for Tom Woods Liberty Classroom. And don't forget to get your Brian McClanahan Show logo and all kinds of cool stuff. Click on that Shop tab and take you out to my web store so you can get my logo and all kinds of great stuff. Also the Think Locally, Act Locally logo. Lots of good stuff. And always please share this podcast around on social media. Rate it wherever you get your podcasts. That's how we help expand the listenership. Now, today's episode is going to piggyback on what I did yesterday. And yesterday, I talked about how you have this illusion that we're going to have some type of massive resistance movement from the right if Joe Biden should win the presidency. And I mentioned that what really needs to happen is you need to be working at the local level anyways, because Joe Biden's presidency, in so many ways, is irrelevant. And I mentioned that a little Texas town that voted 5-0 to keep a Confederate statue up, because they could, right? So, Your local means everything. And, of course, some people said, well, you're saying that uh, act locally, think locally, act locally, but, uh, you know, don't don't protest because you're going to get crushed. No, I didn't say that. I said you're going to get, you're not going to have the same response as someone on the right, as someone on the left. So go out and engage the community, but do it in a respectful way because, frankly, and I said take a page from the Civil Rights Movement. What did they do? They didn't violently protest. For the most part. I mean, there were some violent protests in the late 60s and, of course, some riots in the 60s. But if you look at, for the most part, there wasn't a whole lot of violent protests, and particularly early on in the civil rights movement, and they faced violence themselves. And, of course, that's to to gain sympathy. This kid that went out and scrawled in chalk on the sidewalk, chalk, and was arrested, that kid should be sympathetic To anybody watching this, wait a second here, you're allowed to go out and spray paint and vandalize monuments and you don't get arrested, but you you scrawl and chalk and you're going to get arrested? Where is the equal justice in America? This is my point. So thinking locally and acting locally will help you get those. I mean, you're going to have some resistance to what you're doing. That wasn't what I was saying. But if you go out and you try to do what the left does and, you know, massive protests and tear things down, you're going to face really serious repercussions from the left. Now, what about the left? So let me flip this on its head. If Donald Trump wins the election, what's going to happen? I sincerely believe that if Donald Trump wins the election again, he's not going to win the popular vote. There's no way Trump wins the popular vote. The way he wins, of course, is through the Electoral College again. And if that happens, I think you're going to see a massive amount of violent protests in America. And in fact, the Democrats are not only preparing for it, They're encouraging it. You see, all of what's happening now is a setup for what happens should Trump win the election. Basically, what they're saying to the American public is, if you don't let us win, we're going to keep doing this. And so a lot of people will just grow tired of it and give in to the two-year-olds, because that's what we're dealing with, a bunch of two-year-olds. So they're going to give in to the two-year-olds and uh, the temper tantrum that they're throwing. And, of course, that's where they're making a mistake, you don't give in to the terrible twos. You, uh, you correct the terrible twos. So, but the left is preparing for this. And there was an article in the New York Times that Breitbart picked up. Uh, this was published on August 2nd, so uh, over, over the weekend on Sunday. And the title is, Democrats' War Game for Election, Including West Coast Secession, Possible Civil War. So I'm going to read this article and I'll get to the end. And talk about what is potentially going to happen. In some ways, and I'll talk about how Think Locally, Act Locally uh, fits into this. So, that title, Democrats' War Game for Election Includes West Coast Secession Possible Civil War. Democrats are contemplating secession and potential civil war as they game out possible scenarios for a closely contested election, according to a report by Ben Smith in a New York Times column Sunday. So, First of all, we have a false supposition in America that secession would have to lead to war. But see, this is Lincolnian America. We're taught this. Well, if you have secession, then you got to have war. Why did we have to have war in 1861? That question, I mean, Trump asked the question, why do we have to have war? And of course, he's a score, "Oh my gosh, you can't say that. You can't say that. Oh, we ended slavery." Well, uh, other countries ended slavery peacefully. But the 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 premise is that, of course, secession would naturally lead to war. It doesn't have to. You could have peaceful secession in America. In fact, that would—I mean, this is a great endorsement for Donald Trump. What an odd endorsement for Donald Trump, having the West Coast leave the Union. Wouldn't that be great? It would change the very fabric of the American political, uh, the face of the American political system. Because you no longer have all those Californians, Washingtonians, and Oregonians. In the Congress. That's gone. What happens? Well, that dramatically shifts the nature of the Congress in one direction. Wouldn't that be fantastic? I've said in my Southern Scribblings, I've got two essays in favor of California secession. For that, I mean one of them is for that very reason. Because we are dealing with incompatible things. Now, you know what we could do, which of course is a a solution to all of this, is have real federalism in America, real localism, where the central authority only does two things, and that's commerce and defense. When I say commerce, it makes sure that we have a free trade zone between the states, and it defends the borders of the United States from foreign aggression. It doesn't have an empire. It doesn't have military bases in over 100 countries around the globe. It doesn't do any of that. Because when you look at the picture of the people on this particular This article. I mean, looking at that cast of characters doesn't give you very much confidence in anything. And in fact, we're going to talk about one of the things here in this particular article uh, with John Podesta. So, why do we have to have war if we have decentralization? Why does that have to happen? Because we've been it's been ingrained in our subconscious since we were little kids. Since we've been saying the Pledge of Allegiance, one nation, indivisible. See, this is where all these things come from. This is nationalism causing major problems for America moving forward. This is why this podcast has the mantra think locally, act locally. Stop worrying about national elections. The bulk of Smith's column is devoted to the question of how the media will handle election night coverage, given that the result may not be known for weeks. Vote by mail, which many states have only recently adopted, ostensibly to prevent the spread of coronavirus in polling places, could lead to an uncertain result. This is a, that's an understatement. It could lead to massive election and voter fraud. It's going to lead to voter fraud. There's going to be a major question in the 2020 election on both sides over legitimacy. Who is the real legitimate president? Who is, is it going to be Biden? Is it going to be Trump? Who's really legitimate? Now, the left will always consider anyone but their own to be illegitimate, which is why they're doing what they're doing today. Anybody that doesn't win, that's, that doesn't have a D behind their name, is illegitimate. So they're going to throw a temper tantrum no matter what if Trump wins. If Biden wins, do the leftist riots stop? I don't know. I don't know if they will or not. Probably they'll slow down because they'll feel vindicated in what they've done. And of course, this would mean that what they will believe that what they've done works. So you're going to see more of this. This is how the Democrats are going to keep pushing. Well, if you don't vote for us, this is what you're going to get. This is what you're going to get. Now, we know that the people that Biden is also looking to choose are some of them are very questionable on some of their beliefs. But anyways, Uh, He says, however, buried near the end of Smith's column is a report that Democrats have participated in a war game in which they considered several possible outcomes of the election. In one scenario, John Podesta, the former chair of Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign and a leading figure in party circles, played former Vice President Joe Biden and refused to concede the election. Refused to concede. I think you might see this. If Trump wins based on the Electoral College, the Democrats are going to go absolutely bonkers. Because they believe that right now Trump is illegitimate. They believe the Senate is an illegitimate governing body. This is the core of their beliefs. They firmly believe the United States is a democracy, where I could point to you case after case after case in the founding period where the founding, founding generation explicitly rejected the idea of a democracy for the United States. Explicitly rejected the notion that the United States Constitution created democracy. In fact, the way they would define democracy is a political institution where power is exercised personally. So, for example, I would go to Washington, D.C. and exercise my personal power there to vote for something. That is actually a democracy. What we have is a federal republic, and of course they talk about republican government, which would be representative government. It's not a democracy. It's an indirect democracy at best. They designed it that way because they thought democracy was a major problem in the period of time leading up to the ratification of the Constitution. We don't have a democracy. We have a federal republic of independent states joined together for common cause, which would be commerce and defense, and that's it. All these other issues that we deal with that we think are national issues, they're not national issues at all. And so, therefore, we shouldn't worry about them the way that we tend to do, right? I mean, everyone focuses on, well, this is a national problem, national crisis, national this, national that. What if your own town can handle the coronavirus pandemic on its own? What if your own town could handle health care or your, your own state could handle these things better? And, of course, they typically do than what the general government does. What if you could do that better? You see, scale and size matters when it comes to governments. My own state has about 4 million people in it, which was the size of the United States in 1790. And at that time, it was thought that that was too large to manage with a centralized authority. There needed to be more decentralization because that would be better for the whole. So even in a state like mine where the representative ratio for your legislature is about 30,000 to 1, that's actually too big to have real government when it comes to local concerns. You need to be focusing. This is what the founding generation thought. Of course, Montesquieu, the great French philosopher, thought the exact same thing. And history had played this out. History had... Played this out. It had given countless examples of too much centralized power creates major problems for the constituents in that particular government. And this is exactly what we have in America, but because we have a lack of education, because we think everything is one nation indivisible, because we think the United States is a national government, because we get worked up over who's president, because the president has virtual dictatory powers, because the president has become an elected monarch because the Congress has punted its responsibility because the states have allowed themselves to be emasculated, this is the problem in America. Now, of course, on the flip side of this, you can look at, people have said, well, what, what happens to those property owners in Portland that are being abused? And Well, then you need to be changing that at the local level. I mean, the problem there is your local government. The problem there is that you've got corruption in government. And so you could say, well, we want the feds to come in and clean that up. But the feds that can come in and clean that up can come in and clean up when they don't like you, too. So this is the issue, right? Uh, But regardless, let's continue with this article because I think it's interesting on what is said here. The result, the threat of secession by the entire West Coast, followed by the possible intervention of the U.S. armed forces. Again, possible intervention. I mean, if Trump was really going to be, he would just say, look, if California, Oregon, and Washington want us to secede, elect me and let's get them out of the United States. I think that would be a winning campaign. Donald, vote for Trump. Get rid of California. Wouldn't that be great? A vote for Trump means California secession. There is a winning campaign slogan. Because I'm going to tell you, Red America would say sayonara. See you later. If you look at the comments On this particular article, so many people are saying that. Hey, we can get rid of California? Really? We could do that? We could get rid of California. Wouldn't that be great? A vote for Trump is a vote for California secession. A vote for Trump is getting rid of Nancy Pelosi from Congress. Vote for Trump, get Nancy Pelosi out of Congress. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, come on. This is a fantastic campaign slogan. Get California out. A vote for Trump is getting rid of Oregon. Now, I know there's good people in California and good people in Oregon on both sides of the the spectrum, right? I mean, there's good people out there. So move into the United States. Come on over. Right? I mean, of course, the the possibility that's happened is pretty low. I mean, probably less than one millionth of one percent. But, hey, it's out there. So you're saying there's a chance. So the, uh, the article says, the New York Times article, but conveniently, a group of former top Democrat officials, top government officials, I'm sorry, called the Transition Integrity Project, the Transition Integrity Project, right, actually gained four possible scenarios, including one that doesn't look that different from 2016, a big popular win for Mr. Biden, and a narrow electoral defeat, presumably reached after weeks of counting the votes in Pennsylvania for their war game, they cast John Podesta, who was Hillary Clinton's campaign chairman, in the role of Mr. Biden. They expected him, when the votes came in, to concede, just as Mrs. Clinton had. But Mr. Podesta, playing Mr. Biden, shocked the organizers by saying he felt his party wouldn't let him concede. Alleging voter suppression, he persuaded the governors of Wisconsin and Michigan to send pro-Biden electors to the Electoral College. In that scenario, California, Oregon, and Washington threatened to secede from the United States if Mr. Trump took office as planned. The House named Mr. Biden president, the Senate and White House stuck with Mr. Trump. At that point, in the scenario, the nation stopped looking to the media for cues and waited to see what the military would do. Now, all of this is fantastic. I mean, uh, it's it's conspiracy theory nonsense. You've got one Democrat saying Trump won't leave the White House. Well, if he won in the Electoral College, of course he's not going to leave the White House. But people are, are fantasizing about these things. The Democrats are fantasizing about this stuff. First of all, persuaded the governors of Wisconsin and Michigan to send pro-Biden electors to the Electoral College, well, that would violate the state laws. I mean, if if, if Trump won Michigan and Wisconsin and the governors somehow sent these pro-Trump electors to the Electoral College, well, we just saw a Supreme Court case about that, right? We just did. So, I mean... <laughs> this would violate the laws of those states. So we're saying that we're going to have essentially a coup. What we're looking at here is the Democrats staging a coup. Now, the House of Representatives, if we had a if we had no clear winner on the Electoral College, we'd get to decide who's president. But that isn't done by straight vote. It's done by state. And in that scenario, Trump still wins. Because there are more Republican-controlled states than Democrat-controlled states. There are more Democrats in the House, but there are more Republican-controlled states. So in that case, Trump wins the election if they go straight down party line, which I don't know if that would happen or not. This is where all of this stuff... I mean, it's it's interesting to talk about. I think it's a little bit far-fetched. But regardless... This is what they're, they are, again, fantasy. Now, the media, the media. The media is going to play a role in all this. You see, the media chooses what it's going to show and what it doesn't show. It didn't show the kid getting arrested for scrawling and chalk on a sidewalk. It only shows what it wants to show to try to set an agenda, just like historians do that, too. I mean, this is what historians do. We, they pick and choose what they're going to write about and talk about, and that's what they show. The piece concludes, notably on election night in 2016, Podesta publicly refused to concede the election to President Donald Trump. So if Podesta is involved in this, then we could see a situation like this. I don't know. I, I do believe that the election, of course, held early November. We're not going to know who won because of all this mail-in voting nonsense. Uh, I mean, uh, I do think that's going to create a whole bunch of voter fraud. There's no there's no security in your vote. I put my vote in the mailbox. How do I know where it goes? How do I know if somebody doesn't open it, restuff it, and seal it up again? I mean, I don't know that's going to happen. And you can say that's not going to happen. People have integrity and won't do that. Are you, are you sure? I mean, we know in the 1860—we know in the 1864 election, for example, in certain states, Democrat ballots were replaced with Republican ones. And, I mean— you had to cross through armed soldiers to go vote. We know that those things have happened. We, we know soldiers voting, voting two and three times in that election. So how do we know that this is actually going to be a clear-cut, honest election? We don't know that. We don't know it on either side. The Democrats don't know it. The Republicans don't know it. We don't know. So this is where, uh, <laughs> this is, I mean, is it a, Is it a possible situation? Sure. Is it plausible? No. But if we had real federalism in America, again, I go back to that. If we had real federalism and real decentralization, none of this would matter. None of this would matter. California, look, I, I, I would love the day that those three states would leave the union because it would change the entire complexion of the American political system. Or to have a situation where they're only nominally, I mean, we have regional governments. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to, to actually think about a better government situation for the United States than this top-down, one-size-fits-all nonsense that we have today, where the people of the left coast don't believe that they have the ability to have a government like they want. I mean, I would, I would disagree with them. I mean, look, the, the West Coast does have some autonomy here. But, I mean, this is where we run into this, well, I mean, the president, Trump is going to do this, Trump is going to do that. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know if Trump sends in the trips. Now, he's shown that he's willing to use federal power in Oregon. So, I mean, but see, Trump is a Lincolnian that way. This is where I've always said Trump's a nationalist. I don't think Trump would allow California to secede, but it would be a great campaign slogan. A vote for Trump is a vote for California secession. Vote Trump for the Bear Flag Republic, right? I mean, great, great stuff. So, anyways, The left is going to continue to do, they're going to continue to agitate violently if Trump wins. The right won't do anything because the right will consider anything legitimate, I think, for the most part. And they're just going to go along and they're just going to take it. Uh, And if they don't, then you better be willing to use, again, a playbook from the civil rights movement because you're not going to be as well received in doing anything as the left would be because uh, the left has this counterfeit virtue that I talked about. All right, so that's my thoughts on this particular article. Interesting article. Um, I think it has some interesting merit to it. Fantastic, yes. Far-fetched, yes, but still worthy of a podcast. So, anyways, I'll see you next time on The Brian hand Show. See you then.